What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the River Blast Podcast, Episode 10, the Jim Leland episode. I'm Noah Hiles, he is Alex Stumpf, and Alex, we got a winning ball club again. Here we go. Five and six down the stretch, winning record, don't have to even have that 20 years losing streak in your mind anymore. It's nipped in the bud, get some momentum going for 2019. Oh, wow. Feel good. Feel good. So, the... The uh, whole idea of them not finishing over 500 is out of your mind. It's it's a lock. They're gonna finish over 500. Uh, well, no, not a lock. They still got to play the Cubbies. Yeah, I don't know how apathetic the Cubbies are gonna be in that series because they could have the division uh, clinched by then. Well, it's gonna be interesting because the Pirates essentially control. Or maybe not control 100%, but have a good grip as to who will win the National League Central Division. You look their I next... think they do have control. I mean, if they get swept by the Brew Crew and then sweep the Cubbies, then I think Milwaukee, unless they really screw the pooch in that other series, is in first place then. I mean, yeah. like it, they, they really... I don't know who Milwaukee and Chicago play in their final series of the year, but getting to close things out, against two of the three teams really competing for that NL Central crown and uh, two teams that will be in the playoffs. I mean, both of them, I would imagine, are still going to be clawing. Uh, like you said, the Cubs are going to be looking to clinch more than likely in that you know series in Chicago. But both of these teams are going to be you know going all in in these series. And they're facing a Pirates team that's I wouldn't say red hot, but they're definitely warm. What, winners of their last five? No? Five, and I think it's 11 out of 14. There it is. Something like that. We, we are back, baby. So let's talk about this Buccos team who's won 11 of their last 14, according to Alex, and uh, winners of their last five. Alex, what have you seen from this team? Obviously, the sweep against Kansas City was good, but that's a team that's, you know, one, like historically bad almost. And then... Before that, though, they take two out of three on the road against Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, first of all, that wasn't exactly a very well-played series against Kansas City. They've been playing decent ball over the last couple months. I mean, just growing pains in general. But yeah, that wasn't that wasn't exactly a great sweep to hold your hat on. I mean, three one-run wins against a 100-loss team. Uh, two of them you needed to rely on a triple-A catcher for a walk-off hit. I mean, wins are wins. Yeah. But you would have liked to see them just put a bad team like that away. But the positive thing is the pitching has just continued to be fantastic. All the way through. It's exactly what the Pirates want for 2019. They need this pitching to be able to compete. We even saw Chris Archer with by far his best start as a Pirate on Wednesday, which is a great sign. It would be great for him to string together a couple, two more strong starts to go into this offseason just to build up ahead of Steve, get some confidence going for 2019. So pitching looks good. The offense looks terrible, which is kind of surprising because if you look uh, at that lineup they had Wednesday night, it's like, okay, well, Corey Dickerson and Marte, those are two above-average hitters. So is Adam Frazier. So is Josh Bell. Moran's about an average hitter. Francisco's having a good season. Pablo Reyes has done nothing but hit since he came up to the majors. Why can't this offense score runs? What am I missing here? Yeah, you know, you talked about it, Alex. This series, it's kind of a weird relation, but this series makes me even more mad um, about the Chicago series that they had in the Atlanta, that homestand where they allowed, like, what was it, like 10 earned runs in six games or something like that. Because um, yeah. they're finding ways to win these games when the offense sim- simply can't get the runners home. And I wish they were able to do this back, you know, a month ago uh, when the game still sort of mattered, and now they don't. And I guess maybe they're able to do it because, like you said, they're playing a 100-loss team. Uh, But it's still fun. It's still fun to see the young guys come out and, you know, make things happen. Be it, you know, Larvinway, is that his name? Lavarnway. And then Stallings. And, you know, you're seeing a whole bunch of other guys coming up and contributing. And it's fun to see that because it might get you excited for next season. But 
even if they aren't going to be a part of next year's big picture, it's it's cool to see you know these guys who have been working their whole lives to get a shot at the dream and then capitalizing on that opportunity. And this will be a good transition to our next uh, topic here on what's recent. The guy who, like you said, who has been capitalizing the most has been Pablo Reyes, a guy that I think I would make the argument not only has he been their best September call-up this year, he's been their best September call-up in in years, like years, years, years. I, I, I would say maybe like, who was that pitcher that came up in September? Holtzcomb? Holtzcomb, yeah, that was where my mind went to. But even yeah. then, that was over like 10 innings pitched. Reyes has played far more. I mean, he's played in 10 games. He started six games. He's played four different positions. I, I don't know what you could not like about this guy. I'm actually writing a piece on him now that will either be out later on Thursday. That You're going to be hearing this on Friday. So it'll it'll either be out already or it'll be coming out later today. When you're listening to this, and I'm kind of talking about how I remember when I met this guy in the locker room or in the clubhouse, excuse me. Uh, I, I, he, when he was in street clothes, I thought he was just a relative of one of the players. Like, oh, who brought their little brother here? Or maybe not their little brother, but like a cousin or something. And then I saw him in front of Pablo Reyes, the locker that said Pablo Reyes. And I was like, who is this guy? Like, I mean, I, I've heard his name. I follow the AAA team, you know, Indianapolis. A, a fair amount, but I, I didn't know why he was getting the call up over other people. I don't know, but he's really opened my eyes, and I think he's opened a lot of other people's eyes. Alex, would you say that this guy is a lock to make the opening day roster this next upcoming season? A lock? No. No? No, not a lock. Why but is that? I, I am rooting for him to make the opening day roster because he's, because he's been damn fun to watch his entire time up here. That catch he had last night in right field. Oh my goodness, that's one of the best catches I have seen in person ever. Four, included, 42 feet and 2.9 seconds. And the amazing part of that was Clint Hurdle said uh, post-game, like, yeah, he didn't play any innings out in triple in right field on AAA at all this year. Yeah. I mean, oh my Goodness, that's just good athleticism. That's good baseball smarts. That's hustle. That's being willing to take a chance. That's everything that you want to see in a ball player. He really, I know I've made this you know analogy before. He really reminds me of a young Josh Harrison. Mm-hmm. Whenever Jay Hay came up, and maybe not 2014, but 2020 or 2012 and 2013, whenever he came up and just was this spark plug, this guy who would play all over the diamond and would get on base and would hustle and. Man, this guy has been fun to watch. I am rooting for him. I'm rooting for him to make the opening day roster, but I can't guarantee him a spot. See, because, I mean, he's going to be up against some fairly stiff competition, especially for, you know, a utility role. Yeah, well, here's the thing. If he's fighting for a utility role, I don't know what guy you could want more than him. For a utility guy. I mean, he's, like I said, 10 games in the majors, and he's played four different positions already. He's shown to be an above-average glove at all of them so far. He hasn't really made many mistakes in the field. He's a decent, I mean, more than a decent bat. He's hitting, like, over 400. I know it's 10 games. His OPS is, like, 1060 or something. That's not going to be sustainable, but... I don't know. I mean, I I don't understand how anyone could want to see... I understand that... I do understand that, like, Newman and Kramer have much higher ceilings than Pablo Reyes. At the same time, I I think that this guy is someone that the Pirates has consistently been able to find success from. His mold, I would say. You know, this guy reminds me a lot of Brock Holt. I kind of said that already a little bit, where, you know, Brock Holt came up, and I believe it was at the end of maybe 2012, I think, and yes. he was the only pirate, the only pirate doing anything productive on offense or defense, and, you know, he went over to Boston, and he became an all-star, and the pirates just didn't have, you know, a, a spot for him, but he was a good ball player, and he was a small guy who kind of just you know, went wherever you put him, and as, you know, I would like to officially declare myself the media's ambassador for grit and hustle. Uh, Those are just my two favorite things in the world, and this guy exemplifies both of them. He is just fun to watch, running the bases after you have seen guys time in and time out on this team, just make stupid mistakes on the base paths, not hustle, and 
to to a point, you can't blame them. It's September. Why would they hustle? Blah blah blah. But like, it, it's refreshing to see someone play the game, quote unquote, as it should be played. And that's how he does it in the field, at the plate, on the bases. He's a smart ball player. He hustles. He's versatile. I would love to see him on the opening day roster this next year. I, I don't want to see him maybe take you know the place of. I mean, it's it's a tough pill to swallow if he does take Kramer or Newman's place, and I don't see that happening. However, with Polanco being out, which we're going to talk about later, this could be an opportunity for a guy like Reyes to, you know, make that opening day roster. And, you know, if you're comparing him to other guys aside from Kramer or Newman, you know, I, I, I've liked what I've seen from him more than I've seen from Moroff, more than I've seen from Osuna this year. Uh, I, I would like to see, you know, him get more looks toward the end of the year, I'd like to see him probably start, if not every single game for the remainder of the season, then nine out of the last ten. And, uh, you know, give give him more of a look in spring training as well. I, I'm I'm hopping on the Pablo Reyes bandwagon, Alex. It's a good bandwagon to be on. Yep. And I guess I need to stand a ball player now that Max Moroff is probably going to be non-tendered this offseason. So I guess it's going to be Pablo. Yeah, I I feel like Pablo. Oh, Ooh, good reference right there. Yeah, okay, before we move on, the life of Pablo, good or bad in your eyes? Good, but it's near the bottom in terms of Kanye's album. See, I really, really like that album. I really like, I mean, that came out, like, during, like, the best year of my life. Like, I, it okay. was, like, my junior year of college when just everything was going right for me. It was just awesome. Um, so maybe, like, you know, I relate that music to just happier days. Not that I'm sad now or anything, but like, but I, mean, I don't know. I just really like that album, and I want. I just want. I think we got to make a T-shirt or something about Pablo Reyes before people take advantage of it. I know that I feel like Pablo is a very dis, uh, well-established clothing line <laughs> that Kanye has, but yeah, we're. But hey, we're gonna meet Kanye in court during that season desist. That's gonna be pretty cool. That'll be fun. Maybe the Kardashians will come. Maybe we'll get some screen time on their show. That'll be great. All right, moving on now. Uh, as we round up, what's recent? A guy that we've talked a lot about in the second half um, is Adam Frazier, and basically his general manager came out and said a few days back that he is going to be the second baseman next season. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you asked during. Your Pablo talk, you know, who is a better fit for a super utility guy than Pablo? And I'm going to say Frazier. Yeah. I mean, I look at this team next year, and Big Greg is going to be out for a period of time. Could be a couple weeks, could be a couple months. We don't know. Whenever he comes back, I'm. it's not a video game. He's not going to be 100% whenever he comes back. No. He's going to need some more off days than usual. Mm-hmm. Uh, I look at what happened in, what's happening to Corey Dickerson on a out in left field, and I'm wondering maybe he needs a few more off days than he got, you know, over the course of the season, so he doesn't wear out towards the end. I look at uh, Newman, who looks like the shortstop of 2019, you know, and, mm. you know, it'd be nice to have a veteran to back up there, and that's why I want Frazier to be my super utility guy. Basically, out of the six positions that aren't pitcher, catcher, first base, I want to have seven starters basically and i want frazier to be that seventh starter where he'll basically still get you know five or six starts a week yeah. but he'll just be bouncing around the lineup See, a little more i i think i'm fine with frazier being an everyday starter until polanco returns I, i'm okay with that where I, if, I am too yeah if polanco is still healthy i'm not okay with this you know, comment saying, oh, he's got it locked up, because, no, I, I, I agree with you, I want Frazier to be my super utility guy, but, you know, with, when you're a man down, other people are going to have to step up, and that's why you have a guy like Adam Frazier, who, like we talked about in the last episode, it's good to have that, you know, that, that, or that club in your bag that you can pull out and say, okay, well, we can play the Adam Frazier card for two months, and while he, you know, didn't have a strong start at all, in the first two months this year, he's he's he did pretty well, I believe, seasons prior to that in the first... I mean, I know he was their best hitter in the opening months of uh, 2017. So, I, I like the idea of him at least getting the chance to be the opening day starter. I think if you're going to do that, though, then you need to 
I think regardless, they need to bring in a veteran. Not with the intention to platoon, but the intention to start. And if that means you sign a veteran guy like, I don't know, like an Ian Kinsler or or a, a Nunez from Boston or somebody like that. You talked about Iglesias or uh, LeMahieu or there's a whole bunch of other guys. Uh, you could bring him in at sec- those guys in at second base. You could play Frazier in right field. He could start. Or you could sign an outfielder. The only thing with the outfielder is uh, if you're signing an outfielder, you're not signing someone who's as good as the players that I just mentioned. You're you're getting a placeholder from him for him, which we kind of talked about. Or you could sign a shortstop, like as Dribble Cabrera. I would love that guy coming on and put you know putting a Pirates uniform on. He brings a little bit of power to the lineup, and you can you know, play Frazier at second base, and you worry about right field, which we're going to talk about next. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on that theory before we transition? Well, you brought up LeMahieu, and you know the Pirates have are going to go into twenty nineteen most likely with five right-handed starting pitchers. Mm-hmm. Unless they make a serious move, it will be five starting righties. Mm-hmm. They stress quick at-bats, you know, get-outs on three pitches or fewer, mm-hmm. which means, you know, you want ground balls. That means a lot of ground balls are going to be going to second base. Now, I don't want to sound like, you know, Frazier's a bad defensive second baseman. He turned a very pretty double play by himself last night. He's about average. Mm-hmm. And maybe if he has an entire offseason of reps, he can, you know, become an above-average second baseman. But honestly, I would rather have a vacuum like DJ LeMahieu, who's a potential gold-glove-winning second baseman, right then. If he's well within budget, that's like the guy that I would really want to have and have Frazier bounce around the outfield, bounce around the infield. Yeah. Right there. I mean, Frazier has made great strides at second base mm-hmm. this year, but I don't know if he could take another set of strides on top of that. And you brought up 2017 and how he was, you know, the best hitter for the first couple months. A lot of that, I don't want to say luck, but, you know, the batted ball and play gods <laughs> were definitely in his favor. Yeah. There were a lot of ground balls during then, and, you know, he wore out. I mean, we're talking about durability for Polanco and Dickerson also. I mean, Frazier isn't exactly the biggest dude in the world. No. I don't know if he could really handle, you know, 150 games. Just to speak bluntly, I think building in some off days for him would be beneficial too. Yeah. But, I mean, I think to round this up, I think that we both agree Adam Frazier should be a starter yes. for the Pirates on opening day. I don't... We both also are not 100% sold on the idea that that it's at second base. I think second base is the Pirates' biggest opportunity this offseason, looking at the market and who's available, who they can afford. I think that their they're best options that could help their team now either play second base or shortstop, and with everything that I've known from the Pirates and seen uh, them, you know, the decisions to play Newman more and with their depth with Kramer backing him up and even Reyes who can play shortstop amongst others, um, I would imagine that they'd be more willing to sign a second baseman than a shortstop, yes? Yeah, DJ LeMahieu is the 2012 Clint Barmas all over again where oh. they had this kid who is ready to be in the major leagues, but now we're going to get a good glove veteran on top of that. He, Barmas is a nice you know, example of a platoon player, I'm looking for them to sign, like I said, like a Russell Martin well, type player. Well, LeMahieu also won a batting title. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. LeMahieu would be a... about the glove yeah. being... Yeah. Imagine if Clint Barmas could hit. Yeah, though that's what I'm saying. Like a, a Russell Martin who will help your teams in more way than one. More than just his yes. own production. But he'll help, you know, how Martin grew the pitching staff and the bullpen look for them to sign an infielder who can, you know develop the future all right good talk Alex we're gonna move on to the biggest problem I would say the biggest problem coming into next season which is right field uh enjoy all right Noah I'm gonna leave this segment for once okay yeah, taking charge. Uh, Big Greg, he's going to be down seven to nine months after his left shoulder surgery. And to channel my inner Dave Chappelle, how long is seven to nine months actually? Are you asking because, me? I mean, in terms of like 2019, that could be missing the first couple weeks or the first couple months. Honestly, there's 
two very different ways to approach this offseason, knowing that if, you know, Big Greg's going to be out for two weeks, uh, don't worry about it. Let's just give, you know, Pablo Reyes or Jordan Lupler or someone like that a chance out in right field. But if it's out a couple months, eh, maybe we need to make an addition, you know, either a trade or a free agent signing. And before we go much further into this topic, Andrew McCutcheon, of course, is going to be on everyone's mind. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah, no. Do you agree just now? Yeah, I mean, the idea of Kutch being a pirate again is something that I would love to see, but it it's not it's it's too early for that reunion. I believe. I I think that you know we've got to let this kind of die down. And Kutch isn't coming back for a one year deal, which is if you're bringing someone in to play in Polanco's spot. What I would do, I would be looking for a one to two year deal. Nothing more than that. And Kutch isn't going to want to come back for one year just to leave again. I, I, I don't think. I mean, if he comes back here again, this is going to be the last place that he plays. And I don't think Andrew's looking to retire yet. Um, it's a nice idea. You know, if you're, you know, and baseball fans are, they're, you know, baseball is very romanticized and everyone loves it. But I don't know. It's just, don't force it. Don't force it. If you know, if you love something, set it free. If it comes back to retire as a pirate, then it was meant to be. All right, moving on. Yeah, I mean, it's Kutch and the Pirates were basically a relationship. They were a couple. And do you really want to get back with your ex the first time both of you were single again? Exactly. Uh, and I mean, it is actually very relationshipy. As I'm saying this. Yeah. I think I had a thought up in my I mean, mind. And like, it's like whenever you take your new girlfriend out and your old girlfriend goes on social media, you're like, wow, I didn't get to go to that restaurant whenever we were together. Or, wow, why didn't the Pirates trade for Chris Archer whenever I was there? Why didn't they ever make that move? And it's not the, sa- it's not the same, Andrew. He's been with different teams. He's been to, you know, he's been with New York, who's had a million right fielders. And it just doesn't feel that special anymore. And he went to San Francisco. Uh, I feel like we've made peace with it. And... You know, every time we're with Andrew now, it's going to, you know, Gregory's going to be in the back of our heads because we know we have something better coming back. It's it's just like, yeah, I don't know. It's not a good idea. There's a hot cup of coffee waiting for us. We can't. Yeah. Okay. That was. But now that we're done with the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. let's start with the internal options. It, let's just say Big Greg's down two to three weeks. He'll be back at the end of April. Who would you like to see get the bulk of that playing time out and right? Okay. Or if I'll even one up it and say if Frazier is out and right second base. That's that's my thing, first off. Um well first things first, I approach this Polanco situation, regardless of how how his doctors are saying he's recovering or anything else, I am assuming the worst for Gregory Polanco. I am giving him the most time he possibly needs to recover from this injury because we've seen what an injured Gregory Polanco is like out in the field and, you know, playing baseball, and we've seen what a healthy Gregory Polanco is like. And I don't want to see the injured one at all, ever again. I know that's inevitable. He's probably going to be injured again after he does return whenever that is. But give him time because I don't want them to screw this up. I don't want him to come back too early and still be hurt and to struggle and get in a funk and we're going to have another 2017 all over again. The hamstrings will start acting up. I don't want to do that song and dance again. It wasn't fun for anyone, including him. Okay? So let's take our time. Let's do this the right way. Let's get him, you know, the treatment that he needs. Let's get him recovered from surgery. Let's get him uh, rehabbed correctly. And let's, you know, make sure he has enough, you know, rehab stints. Let him take his time back. Mentally, I am prepared to make it all the way to June without Gregory Polanco. That's a scary thought, but I would rather go down that road than risk the the alternative, uh, which could be much more damaging to the Pirates in the long term. So, with that being said, my guy that I want in right field, as far as internal options and basically external options... I would like to see Adam Frazier in right field. I think, like I've just mentioned, there are far better options to suit this team both this year and the future moving forward 
available through free agency at second base and at shortstop. If you sign a shortstop, you can play Newman, you can play Kramer, you can play Reyes, you can play whoever you want at second second base. And if you sign a second baseman, you can play all those guys at shortstop. You can kind of flip-flop. And you do need to sign, you need to sign a veteran middle infielder anyway. Regardless, they were going to do that, hopefully, even if Polanco wasn't uh, hurt. So with Polanco being out, I do think they... They need to make an addition there to kind of hold down the water because I don't want Frazier and Luplo to be your only options, but I think that you could put Frazier as the starter in right, sign a veteran to platoon with him, maybe a right-handed bat for the time being, and then make your big move at second base. I, I don't want it to be a 100% internal solution at any position, that they need to make additions to this year, which would be the middle infield and right field. Oh, I'll agree with that. I mean, first of all, I really like what you said about a uh, big Greg being injured and how he's definitely not the same ball player because that's one of those things that's just staring at you in the face. But I don't know if people put you know together mm-hmm. right then. It's like, yeah, you don't want an injured Gregory Polanco batting right there. If it's going to take him an, even another month, okay, you'll get far more production out of that one less month of a healthy Gregory Polanco than one more month of a not 100% big Greg. But, yeah, I I agree. If the Pirates make a move this offseason, it needs to be in the middle infield right there. But if they aren't going to do it, I would like to see either Pablo Reyes or Jordan Luplo get Mm. a chance Yeah, as a starter. I mean, we already talked about Reyes, but Luplo has really impressed me this September and you know I got a feel for the guy because every single stop he has had in the minor leagues he's done nothing but mash yeah but nobody cared about him because of Meadows mm-hmm. well now that he's out of Meadows shadow it's like okay let's see what he can do here it, Neil Huntington has said multiple times that uh if they didn't get Corey Dickerson, they felt comfortable going into this year with Luplo and Frazier out in left field but they did get Corey Dickerson but they did get Corey Dickerson, meaning that Luplo basically just didn't get his. He got rooked out of a shot mm. from his personal, from his personal, you know, standpoint. It's like, well, I guess I'm not a starter right now. So maybe he's earned another chance, nah. even if it is just for a couple weeks. He, he's looked good this month. And, oh yeah, but here's my thing with all the guys that have looked good this month, and I know I just raved about Pablo Reyes. At the end of the day, this is still September baseball, and I don't. Yes, like, yes. And you know, you're not facing. I mean, they are facing some good teams, and like Milwaukee, they've played this month. They're going to play the Cubs and the Brewers again, and they played, you know, St. Louis or whoever else. And I get that. Um, but it's September baseball. You're not facing the best competition, and most of the teams they are playing uh, aren't in the race, and they're not taking this seriously. They're facing AAA talent, so I don't really put much stock into what Luplo has done. Reyes is a different case because this is his first time being up in the majors. If Luplo it was never has zero major league experience and came up and was doing what uh he's doing now, yeah, I'd be more excited. But I don't know. Luplo is a guy I'm not going to write off cuz he's like 23, 24 years old. That's awesome. Uh, he's still got a bright future hopefully ahead of him, but I'm not comfortable having him as even I don't want to even consider him as a starter in right field coming into next year because Jordan Luplo, plain and simple, is not good enough to start on a postseason baseball team. That's just how it is right now. And I know that, you know, he'd be holding the place for Gregory Polanco, but that's not how any other team that would be fighting to make the postseason would go about their business. They wouldn't feel comfortable if... if uh, I don't know. Say Yelich goes down, Milwaukee wouldn't feel comfortable with Luplo holding his place for a couple months. Except Luplo for Milwaukee is named Domingo Santana or Keon Broxton. Okay, but those guys, again, have... Broxton has, like, 20... had 20 home runs last year. They have more proven options, and that's what I'm saying. Luplo, he's... he's got the tools, and he's kind of exciting, but he doesn't have that proven, you know, proven ability to really hold down the fort and maybe not match Polanco's production, but even 
come close to doing that. And that's why I don't want to see Luplo out there. Reyes is a guy that, like I said, I'd like to see him in the utility role. And yeah, we give him a few shots. Maybe he will be Josh Harrison 2014, where he finds his way into that lineup and is that spark that the Pirates need. But I don't want to depend on those guys. Uh, the only one I am comfortable depending on is Adam Frazier and right field. I would like to see them go out and get something else because let's think about this, Alex. Bad starts have cost the Pirates. They've cost them a couple division titles. In 2013, they didn't start out too well, I don't believe. 2015, they definitely didn't start out very well. Both of those years, they could have won that division had they played better baseball early on. And if they didn't start out super hot in April this year, there'd be no chance this team was ever going to make moves for Archer or Kella, or and there'd be no chance that this team would be uh, three games over 500 right now. So you need to come out this next season and have a good start. You, uh, you know, the moves that you've made indicate that you're, you're trying to make the postseason, you're trying to compete, you can't come into next year and have Jordan Luplo on your opening day lineup as a starter and then you know go out and lay an egg in April. That's not going to win you any, you know, favors with the fans. That's going to it's going to worsen your reputation in Pittsburgh, which still isn't that great. Um I, you got to go out and get somebody. And like I said, that guy might be a second baseman or a shortstop and allow Frazier to move back there. But if you're going to get a right fielder, I think you need to get someone who like I said, won't encompass everything that Polanco brings to the table, but Polanco's biggest valuable trait to me for the Pirates lineup is that he, more than anyone else, has some pop in his bat. He can hit home runs. He's the only player that's going to finish with more than 20 this year. Maybe Marte will get to 20. He He's only like one away. Uh, and he's, he's probably the closest thing that the Pirates had to a cleanup hitter, even though they never batted him fourth. If they can go out and get someone on a one-year deal who might not hit very consistent, like a 200 hitter, but someone who can hit 10 home runs in the first two months of the season, that's what they need. Just someone that they can bat fourth and say, listen, he's not going to be great in the field, he's not going to hit well for average, but this guy will put some balls in the seats until Gregory's 100% back. That's what I would like to see them do if they're not comfortable with putting Frazier out there. I don't want to see... Luplo or Reyes or Osuna or anyone else be looked at as the primary option. Those are plans C, D, E, F, G, so on and so forth in my book. You know, cleanup hitters don't sign one-year deals. Well, Pirates hitters. In the pirates cleanup hitters do. Yeah. I mean, the closest you're probably thinking of is like a Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce or another former Pirate alert. Sound the alarm. Um, Steve Pierce. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, he's got like a Maybe. 900 OPS. He's the, the Red Sox are confident enough to trot this guy out. And granted, if he has a bad day, that's not going to hurt the Red Sox. And, he, you know, they're not going to lose any sleep. Oh, no, Steve Pierce didn't hit a home run today. It's okay. We only had four other guys who did. Like, that's that's Boston's mentality. And But I, I think that him being a free agent or someone like that where you're not going out and you're not getting Bryce Harper to play right field, but... Go out and get someone like a Matt Joyce or Steve Pierce, someone that, like I said, a Pirates cleanup hitter. The Pirates really haven't had a legitimate cleanup hitter in a long time. You see guys like David Freeze will bat cleanup for a lot of his Pirates career or someone like that. I would like to see that kind of option if you're going to go get someone in right field, which I think you need to do. Thoughts? Uh, I, I'm going to still disagree that... You can't write off Luplo. I, mean, I, I've, I've actually, honestly, as much as I'm, you know, loving what Reyes is doing, at least with the bat, Luplo has a far better profile. I mean, yeah, Reyes is hitting like 400 something, something stupid high, but mm-hmm. how many of those 45 foot ground balls down the third base line has he legged out for hits? Yeah. Well, more than, more than a few. You can't rely on those. Jordan Luplo isn't, Jordan Luplo is a fourth outfielder. Plain and okay, simple. but maybe he could be more. He could Josh be more. Josh Harrison was a utility man going into 2014, and then he became a two-time All-Star. I don't at want... Some point, at some point, you got to give the kid a chance if I... you have any faith in him. And I have some faith in Jordan Luplo that he could be more. And faith is good. And a chance, those are 
two keywords that I want to revert back to here, Alex. I want... I, I think he does deserve a chance, and I want him to be my fourth outfielder next year. The keyword is fourth. I want someone to come in. I don't want Jordan Luplo to be the favorite out in right field. I want there to be a primary option ahead of him, and if Luplo outperforms them, you know he's going to get chances. Uh, Clint always gives the young guys chances, and he'll play on his Sunday games, or he'll play against a, a lefty or whoever. And You're stunning his development at that point. I, I don't he's just in the lineup one day a week. I, I mean, I don't want him to be every day of the week. Not yet. He hasn't shown me enough yet. I'm it's sorry. Not every day of the week. We're talking just a couple weeks of the season. And if he really does mash well, you know, he, he steals some starts from Dickerson so he doesn't have to play all the time. Big Greg doesn't have to go out every day. He gets I, some more time off. You have a legitimate or potential legitimate power bench or power option off the bench. If Polanco's out until June, that's more than a couple weeks, man. That's that's almost half the season. That's why we have to ask ourselves how long is seven to nine months actually. And we both agreed we both agreed that the best route for them to take is the conservative one and just assume it's super long. So yes, if, yes, if we're going down that route that, but if we're going down that, that route and if it's January fifteenth and it's like okay, he'll be one hundred percent in in June, you send him until June, and you get one of these free agents that doesn't have a job yet, someone who might be a little more desperate than usual, and you get him. But if it's January 15th, it'll be like, he'll actually be almost 100% in mid-April. I'm not going to just have him on the shelf for six weeks, just, you know, out of paranoia. When I'm going to wait until he's actually 100%. When has it ever worked for the Pirates when someone gets hurt and they just throw a guy? Like, Harrison is the exception, but, like, he was playing well and kind of worked his way in there. When has it ever worked for the Pirates when they're a man down to throw out someone who hasn't proven themselves and just giving them the starting job? When has that ever worked? Jordy turned out okay. Jordy okay. took the job from Clint Barmas. Luke was not taking okay. anyone's job. Who? Big Greg. Gregory Polanco was one of the top ten prospects in all of baseball. Again, you asked me when was the last time whenever someone saying, Neil Walker got hurt, Harrison moved to second base. Big Greg went out to right field. I'm saying when I'm I'm reverting back to like when they had injuries and they're like, okay, instead of getting someone, we're gonna put Brett Morrell out there or your boy Mini Mart. Or, like, those instances, or what I'm those referring guys to. Were, those guys were quad-A replacement-level guys they had. And so far, that's what Jordan Luplo's been. No, Luplo's still a prospect. He wasn't some 29-year-old goober who's just been bouncing around, you know, minor league systems for the last three years. And He's a legitimate guy who has done nothing but hit every single stop in the minor leagues. I just, uh, I mean, I'm not giving up on him, Alex. I'm not giving up on him. But I'm not ready to give him the keys to the car. Uh, he's still got a learner's permit in my mind. He's not ready. He's not ready, and I don't think it's it's not going to be a move that if they make it, if they come out and say that we're fine with Jordan Luplo starting every day in uh, right field or being the primary starter in right field, uh, I don't think it's going to go over well. I, I'm going to be. It's not going to go over well. Uh, not with the team. I don't think the clubhouse will appreciate that. There's been guys, I mean, Dickerson even said in his post-game interview on Wednesday, he said, this team's a couple pieces away, you never know. That implies that, like, yeah, we need, we don't want Jordan Luplo starting on opening day next year. That doesn't imply, the outfield hasn't been the problem this year. Outfield will still be a plus next year, even if Luplo's out there. It's the infield that's been hot garbage. I agree. That's where you need your improvements to be. And if I could... And as much as I just raved about D.J. LeMahieu, if I could get, or if the Pirates could get someone like Iglesias or Moustakis or Nicholas Castellanos from the Tigers who would, you know, fill the right field void for a minute and then go to third base and boot Moran, then that's, I think, far more important. If I would rather have that move than get someone to replace Jordan Luplo on right field. Mm. Uh, I'll concede with this. You also have to read the market. You have to read the market yes, also, obviously. Yes, I will say that. I, I will concede with this. If they go out and get, a, uh, for them, a semi-big infield name, be it at shortstop, be it at second base, I'm okay third if you put... Or third base. Eh, third base doesn't really fix this scenario because I'm saying they need to make a move that you'll get a good second baseman or allow Frazier to, at the very least, platoon, split 50-50 
with Jordan Luplo. That's I would be okay with. I, I don't want that to be Luplo's spot primarily. I, I don't want him to be the number one option there. I'll sign off with that. Yeah, I think we should probably end this while we still pretend that we like each other. All right. Sounds good. Well, if if things weren't if things were heated there, which they were, we're gonna definitely get more lighthearted because guess what, Alex? Guess what we're moving to? Uh, is it the segment? It's everyone's favorite part of the show, segment time, which is coming up next. Enjoy. All right, Alex. Um, we're just gonna have to muster through this. We're not even gonna lie to you, folks. Alex and I just fought for another ten minutes off the phone about Jordan Luplo and his long-term future with the Pirates. Uh, Luplo is gonna be my new Sean Rodriguez. It's it's gonna. I, be... I just I'm gonna say his name every single podcast from yep. now on. I mean, geez, oh man, I, I wish I would have known that the Pirates have the next freaking Babe Ruth in their farm system. Uh, and if he was a top five prospect, mm-hmm. you would be singing a much different. Too, but no, yeah. he's only Alex, he's only played he, like a top if five. If he prospect, had hit twenty so home runs, if he had hit twenty home runs in the major leagues, I'd be singing a lot uh, different tune too. But neither happened. He was never a top five prospect, and he never did anything in the major leagues at this point, despite getting opportunities to play for the Pirates. And the most important part of their season in the last two years, he gets called up when Polanco gets hurt last year. He gets called up when Dickerson gets hurt this year, year, and he that, did nothing. He the, did nothing. If the Pirates. Still had Austin Meadows. Yep. Him being out in right field, you would have been like, that's fine. But no, you're, you're crucifying the guy who's only outplayed Meadows at every single stop in the minor leagues. Jordan Luplo's had two good games in the major leagues. And one was against the Brewers who were ready to go to the All-Star break. Anyway, buy-sell trade. Whew, that was heated. Let's make up for the kids. we got to put on an act. Um, All right. All right, well, this one's not going to get me any favors from you. I'm just going to tell you that right now. This is, I am throwing a full can of gasoline on the fire. We had a good 10-episode run of the River Blast podcast. Yep, yep. All right, uh, (laughs) I'm buying wins as a stat for pitchers. Yep, I just said that, and, you know, before you you delete this podcast and uh, unfollow me on Twitter, hear me out, uh, I understand They are not the most valuable stat. They're arguably the most deceiving stat. However, I liked what Jamison Tyone had to say to Rob Beer Temple the other day, where he said, I get that, I get that there are better things to, this is paraphrasing, he said, he basically said, like, I get that there are better things to measure, um, your productivity or whatever, but as a competitor, he likes to see a win next to his name on the scorecard. And I, I like to hear that kind of stuff. And, you know, like, he also made the point, he said, when you win 20 games in a year, there's no denying that you had a good season. It might not be the best season in the in the league, uh, people, which people will assume. If you win 20 games, you're automatically a Cy Young winner. Those days are, you know, they're far and gone. But I think winning 20 games, regardless of what, what your other numbers are, it shows that when you are out there on the mound, you helped your team win. And I kind of like to see that. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not defending it 100%. I understand that it's a very overrated and overvalued stat, but I like to see my pitchers care about getting the win because that, to me, more than anything else, indicates that they did their job that day. They did their job. They, when you put a pitcher out there, their job is to limit the other team to the point where you can outscore them. And that's what a win represents. Alex, uh, you know what? No, I, I got to finish these and then I'll let you roast me. Um, sell. Uh, we're going to have to sell all the last names on the back of players' jersey, jerseys, Alex, because uh, I, I guess the new thing is wearing Braille on the back of your jerseys now. The Baltimore Orioles did this. Uh, weird move, to say the least. I, I, you know, shout out to them, you know, hitting a demographic that probably really hasn't been uh, reached in baseball, the blind community. Um I don't know why the Braille on the jerseys. I do know. I mean, obviously, that's a form of communication for people that are blind. I have an aunt and uncle that are blind. They rely on Braille every day. However, um, they can't see the Braille on their jerseys. And unless they're on the field touching them on the back, they're not going to know what player that is. So I don't really see the connection there. Um, Weird move by the Orioles. Uh, Still, I mean, when you can get in the headlines despite losing 
what no less than about 3,000 games in one season. Uh, good for them, I guess. And I am trading... I'm trading Cervelli and Diaz because they're just holding down... You know, they're just limiting the production and the ceilings that Stallings and LeVarnway have. Because apparently the Pirates have a gold mine of catching talent. We saw that against their series against the prestigious Kansas City Royals. The, just the clutch, the clutch gene... It lives behind the plate for the black and gold. Uh, Stallings comes up and gets the first win for anyone in his family in the Steel City in what seems like years. And then LaVarnway, you know, gets his first base hit since I was probably in third grade. So uh, it was awesome to see both of those guys come up and have those their quote-unquote September moments. I know Stallings had one a couple years ago that everyone likes to talk about. And, um, I don't know, just fun moments and, you know... All of these were kind of sarcastic, aside from the first one. Alex, what do you think of my buy-sell trade? Uh, I didn't hear about the Baltimore one. Like, are they selling jerseys that have Braille uh, on the back, yeah, too? Or? Like, yeah, look it up. I mean, it's... I don't know if... I mean, I'm sure they're selling them. I'm sure they are. But, like, they played with yeah. them. So, like, Trey Mancini didn't have his name spelled above his number. It was what his name would say in Braille. Which, again, is a cool idea, but, like, yeah, I don't just... know... How that's that, not how Braille exactly like, works. Though. Yeah, like, like, it's not like a blind person could come to a baseball game and get any more enjoyment from that. Like, I mean, you could tell them that, and, like, they'd be like, oh, that's cool, I appreciate them reaching out to my community. But, like, that doesn't make their viewing a baseball game any better because they can't see the Braille. unless, Like I said, unless you're letting them come out there before the game and touch the back of the players' jerseys and be like, oh my goodness, you're Trey Mancini, uh, who's like the only Oriole I can name right now, which is sad. Uh, oh, Adam Jones is still there. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Jones like, Cobb. Yeah, so you could do that, and um, but I don't know. It's just a weird move. Just a weird move. Did you ever play uh, third generation of Pokemon? Yeah, with like, um, who was it? Like Blaziken and all that? yeah. Fire Red, yeah. Ruby, Sapphire. Yeah, that's they as have, far as I went. Like, whenever you get really deep into the game, like a side mission, they have like Braille puzzles. Well, they'll just show like what the Braille thing looks like. Which, again, I, I don't see really the appeal. Yeah, I mean, of, of that. I mean, it was. I guess it was an interesting puzzle, but like, I feel like if you eh. told a blind person that, they'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." Like, they wouldn't have much more to say. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that serves them. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's just, I think it's the same thing as, like, whenever they host an LGBT night at a lot of ballparks. Like, it doesn't directly support them, but it shows that they, you know... They're acknowledging it. They're acknowledged. They want them as fans. They are welcome here. Okay. Which is fair. And I, I, like I said, I've actually been to a ball game with... He's my great uncle, and uh, I've been to a ball game with him, and... He says he he just likes to go because like he you know he hear the crack of the bat and the fans roaring and I don't know it's just a I, I mean it has to be a completely different experience for us because you know as we we depend on our eyes so much as fans and especially as people in the media to to notice different things but it's part of me is kind of curious as to how a baseball game would be experienced without your you know without your sight. Just getting to take in everything else. I think it would be it would be cool, you know. Yeah. All right. I'm, it'd be different. Yeah. As for your winning, you buying wins. Uh, I, the people who don't think that wins are worthless are are pitchers are the people who are racking them up. And I don't want to say they're worthless. A lot of a lot of people like to say that it's you know abolish the stat. It, it, it's shorthand for me. Yeah. It is a Wikipedia stat. I think I it's, a, at, it's a decent indicator. If I tell you at the at the end of this season that Jamo had a good year, I think he has a chance to be a twenty win pitcher next year. You have an idea of like, oh, that's an ace. You have that up in your head. Which, if I would say, I think Jamo has a chance to be a six war pitcher next year. There might be something a little lost in translation okay. there. I, I I get it. Wins. I get it. Wins are the same to me as runs batted in. It's a combination of opportunity. Yeah, oh, I was gonna say it's opportunity plus what you can do. It's opportunity plus production. You can't drive in a lot of runs plus, if no one's on plus base. What the rest of your team is doing? Yes, you can't drive in a lot of runs if no one else is on base. Uh, but you could still have you know great offensive statistics. 
And same goes for wins. You can't win a lot of games if your team doesn't score a lot of runs for you, but you could still have other great statistics. And then uh, thoughts on trading Cervelli and Diaz for Stallings and Lavarnway? Well, actually, that's my buy. I, I like your idea. Yeah? But I think you're only, you know, you're not taking it far enough, man. Okay. So my buy, I'm going to buy 23 other AAA catchers oh. for next year to build my roster. We bring in Tony this Sanchez is- back? Yes, we're bringing Tony Sanchez back. We're bringing Michael McHenry's getting out of the broadcast booth. Why are you talking Um, about Michael McHenry, man? I'm giving him a major league job. Oh, okay. Okay. You know know what he and Luplo have in common? They both had one good game in the majors. Continue. You just said Luplo had two. All right. (laughs) So, yeah, that's my market inefficiency. I'm buying as many AAA catchers as Mm. I can get. Uh, myself, uh, this is a throwback. This is back to, I think, April, maybe May, whenever you were my co-host okay. in podcast, whenever I was with Jared Prugar, and we had a big old fight on whether or not there were crab fries at PNC Park. 100% and are. And there are. Mm-hmm. I never saw it. I, <laughs> I didn't do this last week. I meant to. Jared came back for the... Pitt Penn State game. We met up for you know most of the game down there, and I got the crab fries. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I'm yeah. not going to say they're amazing or anything, but okay, I was uh, wrong. So I'm going to sell my hot take from back then. I would put and, them on the Mount Rushmore food at PNC Park. Wow, you wouldn't at PNC no. Park. You got no. Permanis, Quaker Steak and Lube, the 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 pierogi stacker at Manny's, where it's like there's no Quaker Steak and Lube anymore at PNC Park. Okay, well there was in my that's not that's my pirates. There was okay, so Permanis, you have the pierogi stacker, um, which is like shredded pulled pork, pretzel, uh, pierogi on a pretzel bun with like pierogies and shredded pulled pork and onion ring. Um, that would be number two. Slice on Broadway and the crab fries. Give me those four. Those are originals. You don't see those OGs hanging out at other places. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with the Permanis. That should be on Mount Rushmore. Uh, Who are you trading? Uh, uh, all right, I'm just going to wing it here. Uh, I'm going to throw... Clearly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> very funny. I'm going to throw Rita's in on that mix. It's a Pittsburgh brand. I'm allowed to do that. Oh, we're do- we're still doing this Mount Rushmore at PNC Park. Yeah, I'm still doing the Mount Rushmore, man. Okay, I'm still doing the Mount Rushmore. So I've, I've got two there. Uh, how about a ice cold icy light? Yeah, with yeah. mango, just to piss everyone off. No, then, no, no, no. <laughs> I've never had the one with mango, but I've made that joke like twenty okay. times. Okay, I was gonna say. First I gotta off, try that's out like one of these days just to see if it's as bad as. But you know, logic would say it is, and then I'm gonna go with the press dining cookies down there because I always get like a half dozen. Oh, those are those are fire. Those are fire. Yeah, those are why I cannot diet during the regular season. I I mean, those were my only thing. Like you know, like every time I'm there, like I do really good. I've been on diet pretty much this whole summer. I try to stick to uh, the salad for the most part, and maybe some grilled chicken. But like I always get those cookies. Those are those are hot fire. All right, what's your trade? And my trade is uh, the Pirates have really made Archer throw more uh, two-seamers since he came back, or came to the Pirates, try to get some uh, vertical movement to go with the horizontal of the slider. I've already sold this or traded this, I can't remember, from a couple podcasts back, but I actually have something to trade it for. Okay. And it's for that curveball he started to throw more of. He's thrown it at least four times every start this month, and you know it's getting results. Yep, I'm 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 liking the pitch. I like that better, as you know, his change the eyesight, you know, up down than the two seamer, because he threw 14 two seamers in his last start against Kansas City. Didn't get one whiff. Didn't get one called strike. Um, that's problematic. Do you have in front of you like the swing and miss rate that that curveballs had by chance or no? Because. <sighs> Because okay, I, I was can wondering, look it up. if you if you can riff for a minute, I can look it up. Well, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, watching him yesterday, and I was at work for another of my thousand jobs that I have. Um, I, I noticed that he, I don't know how many of his strikeouts he had looking. I know he had like eight altogether, 
Um, but I, I want to say that a couple of the ones that he did get people looking, unless if he didn't have any, and I'm just insane, um, were from that curveball. And I think that, like you said, Alex, that's a really good addition to his arsenal where, you know, he was struggling with the, you know, the pitch selection early on and it was showing in his numbers to see him kind of bring that out of the, the closet and use it and find that success. That's got to be optimistic for the Pirates this year. Uh, have you found it yet or do you need me to keep going? Keep going. My computer was going slow. All right. Well, th- just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, no, I'm, 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 I'm a baseball savant. All right. I'm so close. Right. I see the finish line. All right. Um... Load, load Actually, your stupid computer. Okay, here, so hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This year. We got it. We finally got it. We crash into the mainframe. Wait, main wait, wait, wait. We got to do this. Hang on. So while, while uh, Alex is looking that up, we got some, you know, some audio to stall. Here, here is Alex complaining about his hip cracking. Now, don't be doing this. <laughs> All right, now that we're back, Alex. Uh, first off, how's the Isn't hip? Isn't it crazy how that actually didn't make it into the no, podcast? No, hundred percent is going to be a part of the show. No, um, no, 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 no. All right, and uh, so what's the swing and miss rate on the curveball? Six point five percent. That was pr- pretty anticlimactic. But ten called strikes out of thirty-one pitches. That's there. We go. That's what that's I wanted good. to see. All right, that's what I was talking about while we were stalling. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how I edit that. How far? Do you really want this to be the last episode of the River Blast podcast? Oh, come on, man. Anyway. <laughs> don't be doing this. Okay. Um, all right, so that was your buy-sell trade, correct? You named them all. Buying yep. the catchers, I'm 100% for that. Uh, you know, why not? I would say just for the ninth inning. I think if, you don't, if you're the Pirates and you don't pinch hit a backup catcher in the ninth inning for, you know, the rest of the Clint Hurdle era, then you're doing it all wrong. Um, Big data baseball too, baby. Uh, then what did you say you're selling? You're selling the idea that crab fries don't exist? Yeah. Okay, well, obviously. Um, it's a very tough sell. Yeah, and then uh, your trade, which you just made, you know, yeah, I'm all for Archer throwing the curveball more. All right, we got two more topics here before we wrap it up. Two more segments. Uh, this next one, sink or float. Alex... Sink or float, a winning record in 2018 and one notable free agent signing this offseason brings fans back to how they were during the good times as of late for the 2019 season. Sell because I don't think the free agents that they will sign would have enough. The Pirates are going to have to really win and not win through April and May, not win the trade deadline, like they need to be in a playoff spot in September or August at least for fans to really come, come back. I think that's sad to hear. Well, I mean, I mean, it is what it is. Like I, 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 I don't, I, I don't say, like, disagree. The Pirates have nothing, have no one to blame but themselves, but they kind of have no one to blame but themselves 100%. after years of building up bad blood. And this has just been the year that it's kind of boiled over. I am, I am still convinced that if the Pirates are a winning team, a legitimate winning team, not the team that fluctuates over a couple of games or under 500 all year, that the fans will come out. They will support. There will be sellouts in September, but See, we just I, haven't seen that last three years. I think we'll be a year removed from McCutcheon and Cole's departure. I think that, you know, like we talked about earlier, we finally have that kind of, like, clarity... Or maybe not clarity, but we're like we we we've moved past McCutcheon. Like if if you're still mad about that and you can't recognize that Dickerson was a better replacement, then you're just never gonna get over it. Which I get that there are some people like that, but yeah. And the Cole trade, yeah, like Garrett Cole had a better year I than anyone we got for him. But like, I think the Cole trade's gotta be a harder sell. Because yeah. Because if the Pirates, let's just say they win out, they'll go 88 and 74. Mm-hmm. on the year, which is usually good enough for a playoff spot, wouldn't be this year most likely. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, man, if they didn't trade Cole, they would have made the playoffs. And it's not... And I think that would have, I don't want to say undo, but that would definitely be a dagger for the next four months of Pirates talk. Yeah, but I think that if they, coming off of a year where they did a lot better than people expected them to do, where they got, a, you know, they won the trade deadline in July, um, they 
you know, they finished with a above 500 record for the fourth time since 1992. And, uh, you know, they go into this offseason and get, you know, they continue to make moves that they really haven't made in the past, getting, you know, aside from Martin, or, you know, they really haven't signed big-name position players. And if they can get someone a little recognizable, I think that that will maybe not bring us back to where we were in 2015 as far as, you know, fan excitement, but we will be well on our way. And uh, I think that, you know, there's a possibility that that can float. Um, so we'll round up the show with former Pirate of the Week. And we don't have one player. We have a bunch of them, Alex. I want you to give me on a scale of 1 to 5 how much you would like to see these former Pirates on next year's team. Because I believe every single one of them uh, will be free agents. So, Okay, rapid fire. Just give me the name and I'll give you my immediate reaction. Alright, first one. We're coming in hot. Francisco Liriano. 1. Ooh. Justin Wilson. Four. I agree. I agree with both I, I, of those. I think the bullpen needs a lefty. He'd be a good fit. Yep. Zach Duke. Three. See, I would give him a four also. I think he could be affordable, and he could be like a middle-inning guy. Um, Steve Pierce. Four. Ooh. But he won't. But he won't. <laughs> you never know. Corner infielder in and out. Didn't Huntington trade him away for nothing and pretty much kick him to the curb? Hey. Sometimes, to quote Matthew McConaughey, sometimes in order to go forward, you got to go backwards. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Matt Joyce. Four. Probably my budget free agent response to if Gregory's going to be out for a while. I, I would go with To Steve. have him platoon with Jordan Luplo. See, I want Steve Pierce back because, like, that's the one that got away. I thought Steve Pierce was going to be a beast when I... Middle school Noah had a lot of stock in Steve Pierce. I was really convinced that he was going to be... The home run hitter that we never really had. Um, Andrew McCutcheon. One. Don't get back here. Don't get back with your ex just because you're both single and drunk. Okay. Fair enough. It would be great, though. It would be nice. Build it into 2025 farewell tour. Hopefully, whatever. You know, he's built up a Hall of Fame case. Okay. Now... We're going to go down the same road as McCutcheon, a guy who might probably be in the last year of his career next year, maybe wants to retire as a pirate, Neil Walker. Three. Ooh. On the right deal, I'd make it. I would bring him in. I know, On like, the right deal. Yeah, On not right like deal. not like what we were talking about last offseason. Like, no, 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 no. Not $10 million, not whatever you want. Like, you're coming in cheap. Maybe even as like a, you know... No, like a minor league contract coming in the spring tra- training, prove it yourself kind of deal. But, I mean, he's hit some clutch bombs for the Yankees this year. Yeah, he had a, that terrible start, but he's played pretty good baseball yeah. over the last four months. All right, and we're going to round it out by a slam dunk answer for you, Sean Rodriguez. Six. All right, that'll be it. Uh, Alex, any, uh, <laughs> any closing remarks here as we round things up, wrap things up, I should say? I was going to make a Jordan Luplo joke, but I think that would be the end of the show. That, that would be. Uh, uh, so, yep. Uh, first off, I w- before we wrap it up, I know that uh, the Pirates season has, you know, all but finished. We got, like, ten games left, and, you know, aside from trying to finish over 500, there's not much else for this team to really accomplish. So, uh, uh, you know, for Alex, I will also want to say, you know, we appreciate you guys still tuning in and listening. You guys are the diehard fans who, like us, you'll stick with this team through thick and thin no matter how much you want to pull your hair out at times when you see a player do something dumb or when the front office makes a move you disagree with. You're, you're always going to be there, and, you know, we'll always be here to provide you with this coverage. So, you know, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we really do appreciate you guys still tuning in throughout September, and we're going to keep bringing you this uh, podcast until they say we can't do it anymore. Um, so follow us on Twitter, at Alex J. Stump, at Noah underscore Hiles 95. For my co-host and uh, Jordan Luplo's best friend, uh, Alex Stump, I'm Noah Hiles signing off, saying thank you for listening as always, and we end it as we always do, saying let's Go Bucks. All right, guys. I just got off. Uh, just got off the line with Alex. He is gone now. Um, I know. I hinted at it, and I would not deprive you 
of this conversation. Here is the real close to our show, Alex complaining about his hip injury. Enjoy, and let's go Bucks. All right, test one, two, uh, Alex. Um, I just... Go ahead. Oh, I'll just talk. I just cracked my hip, and now I'm in pain. This is the worst recording ever. You, you cracked your hip? Yeah. How? I, I just took a step, and it all cracked on me. Like, Ow! How does a hip... Like, like, like a knuckle crack, or...? Yeah, like a knuckle crack. I'm not... I haven't fallen in... I, I can't get up. Not that bad, but... Okay. Do you like? I don't even know what to say here. Um, I, like I said, I'm like on the onset of like osteoporosis. Do you need? Do you need us to get like curves as a sponsor or something? Yes. That way you can get yes, like a or uh, tums. Tums. Yeah, tums. I'll get some calcium for my hip oh, that way. I didn't even know tums. Did. I thought tums just helped with your stomach. No, well, I think they do that too. But that's what my grandma did. Oh. Whenever she got osteoporosis. All right, well, this has been good. Yes, this has been a very productive chat so far. All right. 